Hello and welcome to the Split Screen Podcast, episode 14. We have checked. It is definitely 14. <laughs> it is not 13. It is not 15. I'm Alan Williamson, and I'm joined by Craig Wilson once again. Hello, Alan. Um, so you might notice my voice sounds about 10 times sexier than normal. That's because I've got a new microphone. I say got a new microphone. I've actually borrowed it. Mm-hmm. And it seems to actually capture the full range of my Irish brogue and its bassiness. Um, I don't know if... Um, this microphone also picks up uh, a lot of nice things. We've got a dog barking next door. Should and, probably uh, call the RSPCA about that. And we've got uh, an impromptu concert down the street, which yeah. is echoing up the road. Yeah, there's a, there's a rave going on down the road as well. So these are all the delights that we can now capture with a full range of audio equipment. London's very noisy. Sounds sounds interesting, though. I guess whenever you talk about music and sound and games, you automatically think of soundtracks. But sounds sounds much more than that. It sounds more than just a soundtrack, you know? And in fact, in a way, the soundtrack's the least important part. Because it's all those like, it's all those ambient noises and sound effects that really matter. I mean, a lot of early video games um, didn't even have music. You had like something like Pac-Man, Space Invaders just had kind of jingles and little tunes. Um, you know, Donkey Kong we just had a little introductory theme, and then you had sound effects. Yeah, do you think was, there wasn't enough hardware power to do music and sound effects? And do you think those sound effects were they? Um, being generated by the hardware, if you know what I mean. Like I'm thinking back to like those old Spectrum, where it was just like it's just garbled noise. I mean, it's not it's not like a sound as you would think of like a pellet or a coin, like in Mario. Okay, obviously a coin doesn't have a sound, but you know that coin sound sound in Mario. Yeah. The stuff um, that came before was just like weird screeches, but they were able to sort of use that in a way where you could get across like, oh well, this corresponds to when I shoot. So I guess that's the noise that this gun makes when I shoot things. I guess I guess people did what they could with what they had at the time. Um, so, well, now you've got um, new consoles and PC hardware where the actual quality of the sound ceases to be an issue. It used to be you had to get a sound blaster card separately for the computer. Yeah. Um, and then now it's moved to the point where that sound is built into the motherboard. And it's not that it's good enough and audio files can tell the difference. It's that it's, it's really more than good enough. It's really excellent mm-hmm. built-in sound. And so that kind of dedicated market for sound cards is just dried up up completely yeah and i find it really interesting to, to when you put up a game like half-life 2 and if you walk around the cityscape what they're able to do with that sound you let me hear the non-video cityscape yes so it's just an audio recording of someone walking through the early stages of city 17. Yeah. end of the line welcome welcome to city 17. you have chosen been chosen to relocate to one of our finest remaining urban centers. I thought so much of City 17 that I elected to establish my administration. It's all I have left. In the citadel so thoughtfully provided All right, I'm moving. Our benefactors. I've been proud. Are you the only ones on that train? I just like I love that idea of them recording each of these sounds separately, and then coming back and then building them in to this living city, um, and then it is living in terms of the, the, the soundscape. And it's it's, it's imperceptible to if you actually just walk down London, yeah. Um, and that people are harassing you and telling you to pick up cans. And well, what's interesting is there is no music, and yet it generates plenty of atmosphere. That's true. A lot of the music in Half Life Two is very incidental. You get a, you get a few seconds of music like uh, Raven Home. Mm-hmm. When you first go to Raven Home, it goes like, Wah. and that's it. 
yeah and it's just it's just you and a couple of zombies a lot of that music's very incidental it really creeps in as a recurring theme to let you know that something bad's happening mm. um, but when i think about a game like that and the the soundscape it's never going to age in the same way that the visuals will yeah. um and like half-life 2 had a sort of star wars uh, re uh, treatment it sort of went in and had to sort of Sniff, nips and tucks and a little bit of Botox when it came out on the Xbox 360 they had all the HDR lighting yeah. put back in well, so when you go back to like old source engine version of it the sound though is is, is as good and yeah. I think that probably is what helps you get over those uncanny valleys in a lot of games um, there's a there's an interesting series uh, on Nightmare Mode by a guy called uh, Peter Hasselstrom it's called, I think it's just called Soundscapes and um, he talks about um, I think he was just frustrated that nobody was talking about sound in games since mm. we did this series. And one of the things he talks about is uh, Metro 2033, which is a game I haven't actually played. You know, you're tougher than you look. Let's go. We're almost at the market. It would be a pity to get eaten when we're so close. I guess you, I, I've always kind of assumed that um, sound technology doesn't change, and that you know, what what kind of sound chip does the 360 have? We don't know. PS3, it, it produces audio. That's all yeah. we know. Comes out of a cable, so there's not a big emphasis on it anymore. But one of the things that Metro 2033 does is, and I have to look this up. It's called wave tracing. Um, now I know you uh, protested the idea of this earlier because mm -hmm. Craig's a physics with music. Master's <laughs> So I'm on thin ice here, so I'm just going to be as untechnical as possible. What wave tracing does is it tries to simulate how sound bounces off different objects. And we're not just talking about walls here. This is things like, I don't know, a lamppost or a crate or a big pile of pillows. Okay. Um, that is what it tries to do. Whether you're or not still that's on, possible. You're, you're good. You're on the surface of the ice. That's okay. Okay. Keep going. <laughs> hey, look, somebody's got a hole here. I better not fall in. Um, and so. Um, Hasselstrom talks about you know how this really adds to the atmosphere, and he's played the 360 version, which doesn't have this wave traced sound, mm -hmm. and how it just doesn't have the same level of atmosphere at all. Because you know humans are very intelligent at sound processing, and we can tell whenever you get that fake echoey sound, you know, I will give you the <laughs> that kind of fake, that kind of fake echoey sound. Prisoners, um, it sounds a lot more authentic and realistic, so you can. It, it sounds more claustrophobic. Don't let your two-legged brethren die a foolish death. Are you deaf in there? We're going to be eaten. Rather than just the fact that everything's not echoing quite as much, and I've noticed that myself. Um, I got a Dolby Digital sound system. To must be two years ago now okay maybe not that long it doesn't matter it really doesn't matter it's one of these things i could dwell on who cares i have this thing it turned up one day and i like it <laughs> um and one of the games i was playing on it was bioshock 2 which sounds absolutely amazing and dolby 5 to 1 digital you've got the kind of obvious things like you know halo and bad company 2 sound extremely loud there is a big subwoofer but the real difference was bioshock because you felt completely immersed in it i felt like it reminded me of being in a leaky caravan when I was really young, hearing the, the rain beating down all around you, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, I think that in, in the sound design in the Bioshock games is 
it's, it's kind of I don't think it was praised as much um, in terms of creating that world when people yeah. say oh the environment tells the story they were looking at the the art deco and all the and Rand stuff that's in the the narrative of it that's but just part of that is the audio diaries and the period music yeah and that audio diaries um I mean that's a very clever use and probably quite an economic use of of sound that you get across narrative go to Neptune's bounty find my family please times have you been playing one of those games where somebody has something interesting to say and you can't be bothered waiting for them to finish it so you just walk off every the game. diaries follow you everywhere yeah well that was it even and you could sort of play it at, at your convenience and it was something that would go on in passively in the background but um just in, in terms of that like that the sound that a big daddy would make like mm-hmm. the first time you came across it and it's just it has that wail low mournful kind of sorrowful groan to it it's one of these things where it seems so obvious but yet it's not no so it takes a lot of work to think about how you're going to convey the sound of a i don't know yeah but of, a, of a derelict city how you convey the sound of somebody's like a, a monster mm-hmm. protecting someone so i think this is the the problem where the reason we always talk about bioshock and every game valve have ever made is because mm-hmm. the two games that have really really got it right in yeah. the past you know five to ten years have been Bioshock and Half Life Two, mm. they, they you know they just nailed everything everything down. Well, I would say even uh, it's still we can keep banging the the Valve bell, but Left for Dead, the sound in Left for Dead is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Now you've got that in terms of how they would have the same um, this discordant melody. Uh, it was you know was some random arrangement. Great Wilson, there's an audio producer. We're going, <laughs> but um. The, this motif would get played again for each of the four or five special infected characters, mm-hmm. but they were played at a different uh, register. So the boomer was lower, whereas the the hunter it was slightly higher. The smoker had another pitch as well, or you would just get a little um, clang of like a high-strung piano, and you you would soon learn like oh that means that something's something is about to happen, mm-hmm. and then you get the big rush of the horde. So they were actually using it as a musical cue for you to get ready. So like you know, it's clever stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that kind of thing's great. And but that's what one of the things that sound can do that video can't is that sound can show you what's not there. Yeah. Left 4 Dead's one of those examples about it alludes to things and it builds up suspense. Yeah, and Dead Space again, my other game that I harp on all the time. Because when I get the other game Craig's played, <laughs> the other game I've played in the past three years. <laughs> but whenever I get scared, I don't cover my eyes. I kind of cover my ears. Like whenever I'm watching oh, okay. a scary film, I go for the mute button first oh, that's um, interesting. when i say like a scary film i mean even like there's a scene in i am legend where he's alone in new york city and he's there with his dog and his dog just runs off into this building mm-hmm. and i was like oh no like he's gonna go in there and he goes <laughs> in there let's get this thing muted and like i was like physically like like crouching down in the cinema in my seat and then like my hands were just moving up slowly up the side of my head and then i was just like 
pressing against my ears because that's how I'll hide. <laughs> it's like I don't want to hear what's going to happen, but I'll watch what's going to happen. Just just for all the uh, listeners who want a bit of background information, you know, who aren't just here for the juicy gaming tidbits. As we were setting this podcast, a spider came down from the roof, <laughs> and I had to collect the spider in a teacup and throw it out of the bathroom right, people window. People need to realize because Craig was too scared. We are sat in the middle. We are sat in the middle of a room, and. Like there's about four feet between us. There's nothing. We're just sat on the bed in the middle of the room, and the spider just descended in front of my face. It was the size of an M&M, <laughs> which is like at the in front. Like put an M&M right in front of your eye, and it's the size of your eye. So it was the smallest spider I have ever seen. Yeah, I told you why though. I told you this is a horrible. Was... Oh, well, I'm laughing, so at least somebody's enjoying themselves. Yeah, well. I didn't kill the spider, I threw it out. Well, that, that, that was a particularly effective game um, in terms of how they would just throw just just these seemingly random noises in, but you can always tell that they're, they're generated to be paced at a certain um, rate. So you just get a metal clanging in the background. Yeah, well, one of the things you could do is once once you have associated, um, I guess, it, once you've associated a noise with terror, you can then use that noise at non Terrifying yeah, you moves. can you can throw up false positives yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, like you have the whole you know, uh, I don't know, a crow flying out of mm-hmm. a room, or you know, a door slamming behind you, that kind of thing. So you have that great thing where the, the, you hear the violins are kind of playing off, and they're building up to this pressure point. This pressure point, you open the door, and then release, and there's nothing. But the thing about audio is that it's subtle. It's more. It's less. <laughs> it is. Le- it is when they're not building up to. A yeah, but it's, it's less in your face because games mm. are so focused on the visual, um, that. You know, it's mm. just, it, it's creepier and it's more subversive, and in that way it makes it more effective. Cool wee thing about uh, Dead Space, actually, there's four notes that get played. I think it's more in the second game than the first game. Mm-hmm. And it's a D-E-A-D. <laughs> and it just plays, like, every now and then. I think it's in, like, the little Tannoy announcements, or it's in a sort of, uh, in, in the main motif. It's, it's a shame it's not an SMP note, eh? It's very close. I think that's very close to putting the Wilhelm scream into a... Uh, into your into your death sequences. I've never heard of that before. The Wilhelm? I think it was. No, well, no, I've heard. Sorry, I've heard of the Will the Wilhelm scream. Wilhelm! Yeah, I'll just fill my pipe. Ah! Was in Star Wars. It's the one Spielberg used in a lot of his films as well. And Indy Jones has it in every film. Yeah. Well, I've heard of that, but I've never heard of this D D E A D. Well, they did that. Yeah, well, I think it's it's like, it's like a gimmick, but I kind of like it. But terror is kind of based on illusion. Like that's that's illusion with an a, not a, not illusion. That's allusion. Okay. Where it's it's about suggesting things that aren't there. So creepy sounds coming from nowhere are more horrible mm-hmm. than seeing whatever crap monster they've you know thrown out of the cliche cupboard. Um, a lot of the uh, the well in terms of audio motifs in horror games, the one that springs to mind is Resident Evil's Save Room theme. Um, uh, uh, so in Resident Evil games. Like that changed in Alan's voice because I gave him one of my patented. I've never played Resident Evil. What is the save room theme? Never played Resident Evil. No, never. If played, anybody wants to write in with a list of games, it would played like Resi Craig Five. To play. Actually, played Resi Five. Yeah. So you've played the, the worst one. Yeah, but the worst. Okay, the <laughs> I quite enjoyed it. Guess who's getting Resident Evil Four for the birthday? Hey. Which has already happened, and I haven't got you anything yet. Oh. And I said I would. Sorry. Okay, Resident Evil. Um, it's a series of rooms. And some of those rooms are save rooms. Okay. You get like a typewriter and you just save your progress. Yeah, something about a ribbon. Yeah, you need, you need ink ribbons. It's a, it's a silly thing. But whenever you go into save rooms, it plays a save room theme. It's like a very nice, calming piano music to let you know that it's okay to change your pants. Okay. 
so you, you, you know that nothing's ever going to come back from the <laughs> save room the, the opposite is um, Project Zero or it's known as Fatal Frame in the United States oh I've heard about this which is the one we have to take pictures of ghosts with cameras I love it mm. one, of my, one of my faves we should do like a, a Let's Play special where we play it at Halloween and you can hide behind the sofa and I'll be like you yeah that's how I'll just be covering my ears in one matter but what it does is it plays a save room theme and then goes to tack you in the save room and it just changes the music on you <laughs> <laughs> nice. it's a really really good one um, speaking of games of zero in the name, um, another one is Enemy Zero, mm. um, which I think when I'd mentioned it to you before we started the podcast, you said you'd heard of it before. Yeah, I've heard of it. Um, Enemy Zero is a survival horror game for the Sega Saturn that actually I haven't played. So it's just as well I read a lot of Sega Saturn magazines back in the day, isn't mm-hmm. it? It's a game where you're on a spaceship fighting invisible aliens and you detect them by use of sound. So it's kind of like sonar, mm-hmm. where you, the, the frequency of the sound increases. It's like the motion tracker in Aliens, almost. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to mention. It's pretty much what it's like. Um, and this game isn't terribly good. Don't don't take this as a recommendation to go out and play Enemy Zero. Don't go, oh, Alan mentioned that. I'll hunt down an import copy for eighty pounds. That would be the wrong <laughs> approach. That would be the absolute wrong thing to do. Um, but uh, it's interesting. <laughs> Yeah, I heard that too, it's alright. No, it's just everyone being noisy. That's okay, that's fine. Okay. Is that we... It's because it's late at night, everybody's getting ready for bed. Okay, see you soon. One of the things that interested me when we were talking about topics for this uh, was the use of leitmotif, um, which is in music whenever a character or, I guess, some kind of presence has a theme. The classic one being, of course, Darth Vader's theme from Star Wars, which mm-hmm. is the Imperial March, which will pop up whenever he pops up. It, uh, it was Wagner originally um, came up with this in his operas, where every character would have a theme to so whenever coming in or whenever they were being alluded to. Um, so Star Wars has a lot of leitmotifs for you know Luke's got a theme, Han's got a theme, Leia, mm-hmm. the Force, all those kind of things. So, and that is to that's to help the the viewer right. It's to let them know what's coming next and what they're meant to be thinking about and what they should be thinking about. Um, and without um, without that kind of score, um, you lose quite a lot of dramatic nuance and storytelling. Now, in games, it doesn't happen that much. It's a couple of composers in games that are relatively famous for it. One would be, I'm assuming you've played Sonic Three. Yep. So you know the theme whenever Knuckles turns up at the start of the game. Nope. Okay. Sing um, it okay. to me. No, it goes like. Oh yeah, knuckles. Got, yeah, so I really hope that gets cut. <laughs> so uh, he's got a light motif. Um, Sonic Adventure. Every character has their own theme that plays. Um, and Umatsu, and uh, he's famous for doing it in Final Fantasy. So mm-hmm. we bring in different ones for characters. Chocobos have their own theme. Um, Chrono Trigger is another game that has these themes, which wasn't actually scored by Amatsu, I forget the name of the composer, but it's very good music, sorry. Um, but one of the best things about it is one of the characters, Robo, his theme sounds pretty much identical to Rick Astley's Never Gonna Give You Up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's the same tempo, I'm sure if you overlaid the two it wouldn't be too far off either. If only we could find out how that would sound. <laughs> Okay, there we go. Presumably. Magic. Wow, that was. I'm sure future Craig enjoyed having to search out and do that. But (coughs) thanks, future Craig. We appreciate it. We do, future Craig. We we appreciate all your efforts. Yeah, you're saying in terms of composers, Harry Gregson Williams. That's right. Harry Gregson, Greg Williamson, perhaps, or maybe Harrison Greg Greg Williamson. Williamson. Good surname. Some permutation Uh, of them. It's Harry Gregson Williams. 
I think. Uh, although if you, you go across the Metal Gear games, they, they change drastically between them. In Metal Gear 2, there's a nice use of foreshadowing mm-hmm. in that, where you've got the character of the ninja, mysterious second appearance of this ninja, and you don't know the identity of it, of her, as it turns out. I'm going to spoil it now. It turns out it's this character who you meet at the very beginning of the game, but when she's introduced on screen for the first time, she has a little melody that plays. Mm-hmm. And then when the ninja appears, it's the same melody, but now played with different more electronic instruments. Sorry, getting across the cyborg-y, cyber-y feature of the... Uh, getting across the cyber element of the character. And the cybernetic composition. The cybernetic composition. Um, okay, Banjo-Kazooie, what can you tell me about that? Banjo-Kazooie is like the best cartoon video game ever made. In terms of its sound. <laughs> Are you talking about Banjo Kazooie Nuts and Bolts? I'm talking about all three of them. All three of them? Yeah, they they, they, they Grunty's got her own theme. Mumbo and Jumbo, the banjo. So unsurprisingly has a banjo. Kazooie is a kazoo. Didn't um Possibly. Actually I don't know that. I'm questioning myself now. <laughs> you can't really get you can't really get much of a theme tune out of a kazoo to be fair. Oh, you can rock a kazoo. You've sold me on the kazoo. And even Banjo Kazooie, that's the name of the game. Those are two instruments. Yeah. Clever. I hadn't really thought about that until we just said it now. Banjo Kazooie? <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I love the soundtrack in those games. Um, very clever. Again, just a nice, simple character. So I said earlier that sound can help you get across. <laughs> I think my crap way of saying it would be sound helps you shot across the uncanny valley. That's, but that a, mean that's, when... that's, a, that's a pretty wanky way of saying it. It is. Um, but if I was to unwankify it, I'd say that you can have sound support visual design. Yeah. Um, so you're talking about um, a game that's abstract, yeah, but uses sound treatment. to ground it more in reality. That's yeah, what I mean. and one of those games was Minecraft. Yeah, and if you think about the way Minecraft looks, it's that whole retro pixel box feel to it. Naturally, it, w- it wouldn't have been. Uh, I would have gone towards the the chiptune kind of thing. Yeah, you could or have had very Zelda-like sound, sound effects when you opened up a chest, mm-hmm. or um, but actually, it's very natural. Water sounds like water. And that probably helps you identify the fact that you're looking at this thing going like, well, what the hell is it? And then you hear it moo, and you're like, oh, that's meant to be a cow. Um, <laughs> this black and white smears a cow. What, this pink one's a pig. Yeah, like, what's this, what's this like horrible abyss of yellow? Oh, that's meant to be sand. Um, it, it is quite good like that, and it's one of these games that I wouldn't play with the volume turned off, because no. you never know when you get attacked by a monster. But interesting as well, when you're digging in that game, there's a certain rhythm to it. Yeah. Because when you, you know, pop, 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 and then the, sorry, just blew into the microphone. It almost forms its own soundtrack, yeah, when you mm. get that kind of rhythm. And that's like, part of why you could go in and, and keep doing it, otherwise if it was, say, like, you'd have to get that right, you'd have to get the pacing right of certain actions, otherwise mm. you're going to feel, like, discordant with it. It's like all those old shooter games. The sound of the bullets because you're continually shooting them also forms part of the soundtrack, so yeah. you need to have music that ties into that, and that's why you get a lot of you know, driving rock music and that stuff with a constant mm-hmm. beat to it. In the first Mario game, apparently the composer um, played the game while writing the, or played prototypes of the game while writing the score, mm-hmm. so that you would have this the right tempo to when Mario would run and when he would jump, um, so that you're not, you know. I think it's one of those games that just has that kind of classic soundtrack that, you know, we. We look at it now and we think, oh, this is just an iconic one. It's a really famous tune, like Zelda's Overworld theme. Mm. But the reason that it's stood so well is because it fits the game perfectly. Mm-hmm. Really, really excellent. Yeah, I think there's certain games like that where the, the, the score is as much as the... Uh, is as big a part of the identity as the visuals are. I mean, with, with some games, the score is the game. Mm. 
Um, obviously, I'm a big Q Entertainment fanboy. I think everybody knows that by now. Um, so I'm thinking about games like Res, Luminous, Child of Eden. And those are games where the music is the gameplay in a way. So you, you, okay, you know, it's ostensibly a real shooter, Child of Eden. But you're also creating sounds while you play. <laughs> Every time you press the A button, it creates a noise. It doesn't actually fire out a shot until you lock onto something. Right. Um, and depending on the level you're at, it produces nicer sounds. It's just um, just a really interesting way to turn in your actions into instruments rather than generic sound effects. Mm -hmm. One of the problems I had was when I did my video review of Child of Eden was that I wanted to convey how good that music was. Mm -hmm. Because, you know... A game like that generates an emotional response for me and so i want to convey that and that conveyance is reduced whenever i talk over it because you'll hear like, oh, it's child of eden it's a mm -hmm. game for the xbox derp -a -derp -a -der. and then you know you've lost the whole point of the music so a lot of doing that review compared to something like retrocity where i just talk over the top and you can you know you hear a little bit of the soundtrack but that's really just to cut out the hiss of my voice and the sound of my smacking lips mm -hmm. <laughs> the child of eden one i tried to cut it in where you have waves of sound coming in so you'd hear what every section sounded like to give you a few seconds of what this is like before I went to talking about it. It's not something I've really thought about before, um, but I think it's also why I'd struggle to cover the Streets of Rage series because I love the music so much that I really just want people to hear the music. So maybe I should just subtitle that one, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was, I had that on the, the Cogs review as well. It was, like mm -hmm. the, only, it was the reason why I did it as a, a video review. It wasn't really to let you see it. Just let you hear it was it. to let you hear it, and that was my only... That, that, that was the biggest thing, the reason to champion that game was actually, that's that's like the, the genius of it, it was the way it sounded. Yeah, very. I, I, I actually have COG. Mm -hmm. um, I got it as part of the Humble Indie Bundle. Yes. And so after I'd read your review, I fired it up. Uh, no, I did get stuck very quickly. Oh, no, it's 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 difficult. It is challenging. It is challenging. But it's, a slide, nice. it's sliding blocks are a pain. <laughs> it was a nice way to spend a Sunday morning, I mean. Mm. But I mean, there's other games you've covered as well, like DEF CON. Yeah. Now, Defcon, the the oppressiveness of that uh, comes completely from the sound because it is just squares, yeah. and triangles, and a world map. It's very subtle and it's very digital. And yeah. I like that kind of subversive humor to it, where you know it just comes up one million dead, mm -hmm. and then you hear a bling. There's a um, there's a good program freeware called Paul Stretch, made by a guy called Paul. Is what it is? Paul Stretch? No, Paul Stretch. P A U L. <laughs> okay. <sorry>. Paul Stretch. <laughs> Lowering the tone once again, and it's um, not just because this microphone picks up bass. Pole Stretch is a cool bit of software where it just slows down music, and it does it in a way where it samples different formats, formats of the sound, and then overlays it over the top. Okay. So you get what it is. It's really it's a texture. So you can actually take something like Rick Astley and just slow it down to like eight thousand percent, and it, it just creates this weird, very slow, very gentle moving soundscape and that's uh, features a lot in the defcon is this a lot like um in inception when you the in inception soundtrack there's the uh edith piaf song like non je ne regarde rien whatever and they that song is the this trigger to help leonardo dicaprio wake up out of the dream state okay and whenever you hear that noise whenever they're in the dream state yeah that's that song slowed down hundreds of times <laughs> nice 
that's pretty clever. That's what it is. If you mm -hmm. speed it up again, that's exactly what it is. So it's a, it sounds like a very similar kind of thing. Yeah, it's a, it's a cool wee toy actually. If you want to go out and if you want to study music, I highly recommend that because uh, it's non-verbal. Let's not do that. Let's just let's just uh, make pleasantries and talk rubbish. Anyway, <laughs> so much easier for me. Another pleasant bit of rubbish was uh, Auditorium. Oh yeah. Which for me was um, a game where actually the sound was the only cool part of it because you were doing pretty basic. I think I found Auditorium quite boring. I have to say, I remember seeing trailers for it. I thought that's quite good. You know, you can listen to music while you play a game, but but that idea of the the, the music building up as you solve the puzzles. Um, then Hold actually... on. Oh, I'm thinking of um, I'm thinking of Audio Surf. No, no. Audio Surf. That's a boring game. game. Auditorium. That's a good game. Oh, Audio Surf. Audio Surf is quite a cool wee game actually, because it was uh, it's, if you imagine Guitar Hero uh, crossed with F Zero, and a little bit of Tetris thrown in there, except the tracks generated from the music that you play. I don't know. I just find it like just like a, a visualizer. I like visualizers. I like visualizers too. They can be passive. The whole point of visualizers is they they aren't games. I don't know. Not my cup of Child tea. of Eden Auditorium. is nothing but a visualizer. Hmm. Child of Eden. That's all that game is. No. It's, it's not a visualizer true. that you dance to. I, I've totally dug a hole for myself. Let's just pretend that I. <laughs> I won! Yay! No. <laughs> Finally, one victory. <laughs> and watch as I squander it now. One victory. Yeah, I'm keeping count. Is it count. really that bad? I think so. I think I've got a bit, a bit more to chase back on. All right. Okay. I'm very I'll generous let, to you in the one, edits. Then. I'll take it back. <laughs> okay. There you go. Auditorium. You're back. You yeah. have the podium. Yeah, but that that idea of using the sorry that idea is where you get closer to the solution. More elements of the sound bring in. They did that in Portal too, of course. Mm -hmm. Um. And it's always, I, find, I don't know why, but I felt bad when uh, they were like, oh, this is such a great innovation. Edge pointed it out in their, their magazine as like one of the, the best use of sound of the year. And I was like, oh, but it, someone did it two years ago. And I, I don't know if they got the award, but yeah. for what it counts. You know, but they, it, was, it was a good use of sound. Yeah, it was a good use of sound. <laughs> There's been a couple of times in games recently where I've actually stopped playing and just listened to it. And it sounds so sad. Because it kind of is, but there was a point in Sam and Max, and you're just in the subway, and it's just this gentle, like sort of soft, jazzy kind of music comes up, similarly in Walking Dead. And there's a part where you're just wandering around in the gas station when you're all um, holed up, and it is kind of like Inception's Shutter Island style mournful music. I was like, actually, I'm just gonna like let this sit here and just go and do something else for a while while this plays. Well, I've done that with Baldur's Gate as well. Yeah, that's the game I'm talking about in all these podcasts because that is one of the games I'm playing. Um, compared to some, well, I can't talk about the music in Crackdown because it's either <laughs> not there or awful as soon as you get into your car. It's like really bad. But yeah, Baldur's Gate, I'll, it's it's a really nice soundtrack and I'll happily let it run, especially the battle music's quite good if you want to send out a particularly furious text. I used to be the guy who would um, turn off the music in games, actually. I would go into the menus and like put the slider all the way down and I'm then play my own music on like the you. CD. It when depends it on the game. If it's one of those racing games as a throwaway soundtracker, SSX or whatever, okay. Mm -hmm. If if your music's bad or if you've heard it a million times, there's a couple of games that have totally awesome soundtracks. Mm -hmm. And uh, as as we've previously discussed, you know, we our style in music pretty much comes from two games yeah. that we probably played at around the same point in time. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Tony Hawk's two and Crazy Taxi. Uh, that's right. We are total rockers here. Mm. <laughs> Pop. Pop punk rockers. Pop punk rockers. Yeah. Put it out to there. Yeah, it's funny how um, sometimes people play in a game like Crazy Taxi or Tony Hawk, which is a really, really repetitive game. Mm -hmm. If you have no 
sound in Tony Hawk. It's just the sound of you and your ollies and your trucks colliding with the the rails. It's okay, you know. It's it See, I like purpose, I, but that soundtrack really elevates it. Mm -hmm. Whenever Tony Hawk Two HD was announced, I immediately thought, I wonder if the soundtrack's going to be in this. And part of it is. Mm -hmm. They've actually done like some of the old soundtrack and some of the new, but it's funny how like with something like Crazy Taxi, the old soundtrack's not there, and I'm immediately just like, no sale. There's games that I have played, really just as much to listen to their soundtrack as it was to, to play the underlying video game. And I'm thinking of things like Streets of Rage series, Jets of Radio Future, V, or it's spelled V V V V V V V V V or or Spikes. Somebody called it Spikes. Spikes. I like Spikes. Yeah, because the, that's what the V's are meant to represent. There was a, there was a band um, a while ago where their name was three exclamation marks. Yeah, I heard of them. Do you remember how they were pronounced? No. Really? Yeah, apparently. Nice, nice. But the other one's um, Super Brothers Swords and Sorcery, mm. which is a soundtrack that somebody chucked a game into. Ah. Uh. Now, hold on. Now hold on, I think it's a really good experience and I think people should play it, but it's very much something that's nice to look at, nice to hear, it's not a great game. If you took a... don't make that face at me. I'm making a face at Alan. He's, he's, he's trying to narrow his eyes and burn, burn through me with a, an icy stare. If you took the music out of that game... I would. I couldn't think of a, a reason to play it. If it was just like, if it, even if even if it was just the nice pixel art graphics, I wouldn't play it without the music because the music is that good. It's one of the soundtracks that I will sit and happily listen to while I'm doing something else. It's not. It's not just the soundtrack. I think when you were, the game encourages you to like, especially in the early sections, you're just tapping trees, mm -hmm. tapping the water. I think it's a very natural soundscape that's in there. But you, as you collect, you, you're sort of releasing these certain little spirits, from. Um, from like elements of the world from trees and from rivers and they would make this little sliding noise where on like the, your left ear it was like a low note sliding up and then on the right ear it was like a high note sliding down and that's really really nice the other one that's quite good for that kind of thing is fez i fell in love with that noise i love that noise <laughs> sorry you're saying something you were, you were going to say about it was fez? Me from me replicating the noise fez um, uh, <laughs> It's not going to work in me. I'm, I'm immune to this uh, type of seduction. Chocolate rain. Oh, Craig, be still my beating heart. <laughs> um, one of the, the best use of sound in recent years, although I didn't particularly, um, wasn't that interested in the game, was Bastion. Sets off for the Bastion, where everyone agreed to go in case of trouble. Ground forms up under his feet as if pointing the way. He don't stop to wonder why. And then he falls to his death. I'm just fooling. I mean, that was very clever use in terms of voiceover and something that's not used that often in a game. Certainly not in that direct one-to-one -one correlation with what you're doing the player. Well, I, I compared it to sports game commentary whenever I reviewed Yes, that's very good. Which is essentially what it is. Um, but no, it, it was good. And I hope it's not emulated. I think it would be very difficult to do anything like that as explicit as it was able to be in Bastion. It's partly because of the, the voice actor is extremely good. It was an interesting choice of a character they've as just, well. They've just nailed the right guy for the right part. That's what makes it so good, mm. I think. Well, it's strange, actually. I mean, I say that in Mad World, which 
was it called Mad World? It was yeah. the the very violent game on the yeah, Wii. Yeah, Mad World. Yeah, the, the is this the the black and white? Yes, yeah, the game black one? and white one. It's very fun. You know, actually, I played that a few months ago and then was sick after it. That might have been because I ate bacon in the morning though, and bacon is like a weird kryptonite to me. Did you ever play it at my place? No. I had it sitting like underneath my TV for months. No, no, I played it at someone else. It's uh, John DiMaggio does a commentary for that, aka Bender, aka Marcus Phoenix. Yeah, it's uh, John DiMaggio and Greg Proops. Once they start to stumble like that, you can do any up thing you want to them. Oh, same principle as roofies. You're a sick puppy. That bull had more poles sticking in him than my ex on a Friday night. And he ended up spiked against a wall, leaking fluids on the floor. The similarities are uncanny. But yeah, Mad World had that voiceover as well, but it just wasn't... It was that zany, like, whoa, look at what he did there. Here's an outrageous joke. Yeah, it was very it was very silly and ineffectual, but mm-hmm. that was the style of that game. It wasn't it was never meant to be taken seriously. The yeah. difference with Bastion is that... It had this intimate feel on Bastion. I think with Bastion, it's a much more... Well, you guess more. You're more limited in what you can do. Everybody's going to encounter the same weapons and mix them up. They can tell what was going to happen next and what you were thinking. So it's not like it's actually a very different thing to sports commentary mm-hmm. because he's telling the story. That story is linear. A sports game is pretty much the opposite of linear, and that's why you used to get this really repetitive soundtrack. Uh, one of the games I used to play in the Saturn was Olympic soccer, and you just have the same two or three things every time somebody filed, and I can remember them right off the top of my <laughs> head because I've heard them so many times. They were. He took the man, not the ball. <laughs> well, they certainly won't be exchanging Christmas cards. Yeah, and that was it over the and legendary over. problem of they, they have all these different audio scripts in there. Left for Dead again, actually, all these little hundreds of different variations, mm-hmm. but you seem to get the same three variations in a row every that's why, time. That's why the Halo games record thousands of lines of dialogue and mix it up so you never hear the same one. Yeah, and they even but... have a they even have a special skull you can activate to make the less common dialogue. Uh, show up more times. Well, it's, it, it's as soon as one variation is used, it should be scratched off the list, and then you should have to go through every other yeah. alternative before there. That must be grueling, though. It must be one of the challenges when you're writing these games as well. Uh, you'll write this dialogue: "Pills here, pills. I got some pills. Uh, anyone, anyone, anyone want some pills? Got some, got some, some generic pills yes, here. I find. Shut up, Zoe. Nobody likes you. Yeah." And uh, it's fizzling out pretty quick. It's not fizzling out quick at all. Like some, it's like some. Uh, just because, just because we've ran out of notes doesn't mean we can't. Spraff. <laughs> but that's the problem with spraffing. I don't want to do a spraff cast. Oh, like, but it felt quite. I like it. We're focused, and we're like boom, boom, boom. That's it. Okay. Take home messages. Sound is not just a soundtrack. It's more than that. It is something that can evoke an emotional response. Here we are back into wanky territory again. Yeah, I um, don't really want to. S- okay. No, but but it is important and. It's not just we remember classic game themes. We remember classic game noises. Think of the tentacle monster in Half-Life's Blast Pit. You know, the the sound whenever you open the chest in The Legend of Zelda. Even the sound of, like, you know, some weapons and things. Uh, the sound of a fireball coming at you in Street Fighter 2. Exactly. All those all those sound effects the characters shout. All those characters have their own themes. Guile's theme famously goes with everything. What? Never seen this? No. Gile's theme goes with every piece of video ever. Really? Gile's theme goes with everything. Uh, we'll get a YouTube link up at the end of the, the podcast. Right, cool. It goes with everything. Does it go with the ending of the podcast? It certainly will. Yeah.